Hi, I'm Blair. Want to hear something scary? Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folk tales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams. Today is Saturday, October 31st, 2020. On this day in 1984, Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi was assassinated outside of her home in New Delhi, India. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the unexpected death of one of India's most prominent political leaders to date. Let's go back to the morning of October 31st, 1984, to Indira Gandhi's bedroom. It was not yet 4 a.m. when Indian politician Indira Gandhi sat up in her bed. After a night spent tossing and turning, India's 66-year-old prime minister rose to find her asthma medication. She tended to herself, briefly phoned her daughter-in-law, and then looked over her schedule for the day. As it happened, her first meeting was with filmmaker Peter Alexander Ustinov, who was interviewing her for a documentary for Irish television. So she dressed in particularly formal clothing, wearing a pale orange sari and black sandals. She adorned her face with makeup, did her hair, then traipsed to her kitchen. It was only 7.30 a.m. when she sat down to a breakfast of toast, orange juice, eggs, and cereal, fueling up for the long day that awaited her. But while she ate her food, Indira's mind was elsewhere. The previous day, she had delivered a particularly intense speech addressing threats that had been made on her life. The past years had brought about much political hostility and personal tragedy for Indira, including the death of her own son and chosen successor, Sanjay Gandhi, a politician himself. This forced Indira to make an heir of her oldest son, Rajiv, who had no interest in pursuing politics. But he was hardly prepared to step into his mother's shoes, and Indira knew just how fragile India's political state was. She was committed to seeing the country through an intense period of civil unrest. Indira's contemplative state was interrupted when her doctor stopped by to check her vitals, as he did every day. To Indira's satisfaction, there were no outstanding issues with her health. Finally done with her morning preparations, Indira was informed just past 9 a.m. that Peter Ustinov had arrived. She promptly reached for a red bag and headed out the door to her office, admiring the beauty of the garden that separated her house from the outside world. At the edge, standing before a wicker gate, two guards stood awaiting Indira's presence. 
As she approached them, she brought her hands up to form a gesture of prayer and bow her head for the Hindu greeting, Namaste. After the greeting, guard Beyond Singh opened the gate as usual, but when Indira stepped forward, he pulled out a pistol and shot her from three feet away. Indira cried out, then slumped to the ground. Suddenly, the second security guard, Satwant Singh, pulled out a machine gun and directed over 25 bullets at Indira's abdomen. Together, the two men fired around 30 shots. 23 of them passed through her, and seven remained lodged inside as other guards rushed to her side. In the chaos that ensued, both assailants were shot, but the focus was on Indira, whose limp body continued bleeding as her daughter-in-law Sonia rushed her into the back seat of a white ambassador car. Nearly 20 tense minutes later, around 9.30 a.m., they arrived at All India Institute of Medical Sciences, where no one had even been alerted of the emergency, but the situation's dire nature soon became clear. Sonia carried Indira's bloody body into the hospital, where doctors rushed to her side. When one of them checked Indira's eyes, they found her pupils were dilated and fixed, and she had no pulse. Still, the medics refused to give up hope. They began surgery on Indira almost immediately. Horrified to find the right lobe of her liver was ruptured, one of her lungs was pierced, and there were 13 perforations on her large intestine. It seemed no procedure would be able to revive Indira, but they had to try. Over the course of the long morning, doctors reportedly administered almost 100 bottles of blood to Indira, more than five times the body's normal blood content. Despite the extensive efforts, Indira never regained a pulse. The medical team pronounced her dead around 2.30 p.m. By then, rumors of the attack had already hit the streets, where millions shouted, cried, and protested. But the news was withheld from the public as Indira's political advisors and assistants scrambled to figure out how they would announce her death. Reporters stood outside the hospital, alongside weeping civilians who waited to hear Indira's fate. By nightfall, when the death was announced, along with Rajiv's succession, the people of India had vengeance in their hearts. Indira's assailants were Sikhs, which endangered every Sikh in the country. The violent rioting that broke out for several days after Indira's assassination led to the deaths of over 8,000 Sikhs throughout the country. Coming up, the bold life that led to Indira Gandhi's tragic death. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. 
in Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. Indira Gandhi's death generated a major response throughout India because she had, in a sense, become the nation's mother. Her people would say, Indira is India, and India is Indira, a loving testament to her impact on the country. But it seems politics weren't what the late prime minister valued most. She claimed to be a woman of the people. Having watched her father, Jawaharlal Nehru, lead as prime minister himself, she had ample inspiration to guide her. But Indira solidified her own voice in India's government when she helped liberate East Pakistan from Pakistan in 1971. This led to the formation of Bangladesh, a feat that Indira is still praised for to this day. But Indira's political career also lent itself to shadier moments. In 1975, while she was serving as prime minister, she was convicted of interfering with an election. In response, she placed India under an emergency state, suspending elections, revoking civil liberties, and censoring the press. Indira's son even imposed a mass sterilization on Indian men and women to control population growth. Indira insisted that she implemented these draconian measures to resolve mass poverty, make India more progressive, and eliminate internal disturbances. It soon became clear that many who fell under that term belonged to Indira's opposition. But despite her efforts to squash her opponents, she fell from power in 1977 when another election was held. The loss was brief, though, because Indira was re-elected as prime minister in 1980. During that term, Indira garnered more animosity than ever before. Though she had the hearts of many civilians, she criticized Sikh separatists for their efforts to take Punjab in northern India. According to them, it was their God-given right to rule the land. Indira wouldn't have it. 
The population of Punjab contained non-Sikhs as well, and she refused to allow their secession. So the Sikh separatists retaliated. Their armed forces occupied and fortified the Golden Temple, the chief house of worship for Sikhs, and their most important pilgrimage site. In response, Indira instituted Operation Blue Star. Its objectives were simple, to remove leader Jarnail Singh Bindrawale and his separatist followers. So on June 3, 1984, a 36-hour curfew was imposed on the state of Punjab. All communication and public travel was suspended as Indian security forces attempted to drive the radical militants out of the temple. It's believed that 700 Indian soldiers were killed during the operation, with over 1,500 Sikh militants apprehended and nearly 500 casualties on their end. Ultimately, the separatist movement was temporarily silenced as Indira had wanted, but the fight had exhausted her. She became more reserved and paranoid than ever before, constantly worried that her grandchildren would be kidnapped. This sense of impending doom followed her between June and October of 1984, in the months leading up to her death. It seemed she had a sense that the Sikh separatists would eventually get their revenge. Just one day before her assassination, on October 30, 1984, Indira gave her final speech. Looking out to the crowd with determination the day before her death, she spoke the words, I am here today, I may not be here tomorrow. Of course, she had no way of knowing how those words would take on even greater significance. Or maybe she did. Some claim Indira planned her murder so that her son would immediately replace her, but others insist she was simply aware of the very real threat on her life. Whatever the case, the beloved Indira Gandhi remains a key figure of Indian government today, known as a woman who died in service to the people. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories of incredible lives cut short, check out the ParCast original by Spotify, Famous Fates. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Lauren DeLille, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.